Welcome to Diverse, a Society of Women Engineers podcast. SWE gives women engineers a unique place and voice within the engineering community. On Diverse, we highlight incredible women in STEM and discover who they are at home, at work, and everywhere in between. You can find all of our episodes wherever you stream your favorite podcasts. Hello, I'm your host, Sam East, and welcome to Diverse, a sweet podcast. We're celebrating Pride Month on today's episode, and I am so honored and excited to speak with Brie Fram and learn more about her experiences of being an engineer in the LGBTQ plus community. Brie is an active duty lieutenant colonel and astronautical engineer in the United States Space Force. Lieutenant Colonel Fram came out as transgender on the day the transgender ban in the U.S. military was dropped in 2016 and is now one of the highest ranking out transgender officers in the U.S. military. Bree served for eight years in leadership roles with Sparta, an organization that advocates and educates about transgender military service, culminating as the president and board chair. She is the co-editor of the book, With Honor and Integrity, Transgender Troops in Their Own Words, and the co-author of the book, Forging Queer Leaders, How the LGBTQIA Community Creates Impact from Adversity, and the co-host of the Forged in Fire podcast, which explores the nexus of LGBTQ identity and leadership development. Bree, my goodness, we are so happy to have you today. Oh, I'm thrilled to be here, but you probably could have given the short version of my bio, which is <laughs> Bree is a space nerd, crazy cat love lady, and mid-level government bureaucrat. I mean, we had to do more justice to you than that, but thank you for the synopsis. Appreciate that as well. <laughs> well, on Diverse, we always love hearing that origin story. So Let's take it right back to the beginning. What first sparked your interest in the field of engineering? Well, when I was young, uh, just like my 15-year-old today, or almost 15-year-old, I loved dinosaurs. It was my passion. I wanted to be a paleontologist. Mm. Uh, But when I was about eight or nine years old, a friend of mine dragged me almost kicking and screaming (laughs) to watch an episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. And my life changed in a heartbeat because I wanted to be Geordi. I wanted to make the warp engines go and help humanity spread to the stars. And it just became this all-encompassing thing for me that I have to find the path to that. How do I do it through engineering, through maybe hopefully being an astronaut someday? Mm. But it really just opened my eyes to like, wow, this is awesome. And that's what I want to do with my life. And how old were you when this sort of reckoning was coming about? About nine. Nine. So you already had that sense in yourself that this is the direction that your life was going in. Yeah, absolutely. It was amazing. I I stuck with that all through school, you know, got my degree uh, in aerospace engineering and was off. And did you always know from that young age that you wanted to join the military as well? I didn't. The military was not in my plans whatsoever, though I have a a pretty amazing set of military stories in my family, particularly Mm -hmm. with my grandfathers in World War II. I had no intention whatsoever of the military, but I graduated in 2001 uh, in late May and I started applying for jobs. And while I was going through the interview process, we were attacked. 
And again, my Mm. world changed in a heartbeat because in addition to doing the great space stuff that I wanted to do, I wanted to give back. I wanted to be part of something larger than myself. I wanted to help defend the freedoms and the opportunities that I'd been given so we don't lose them. Wow. So it sounds like a part of your purpose early on, perhaps you didn't have the word for it at that time, was to be a part of a collective solution. That's been a big part of my life for a long time now. And it really speaks to the power of what we can do together. Uh, And that is really important to me because none of us do whatever it is that we do in a vacuum. Uh, And Mm. the vast majority of our endeavors are team sports in a way. We Mm. have to be willing to harness the talents of everyone, uh, no matter who they are, because without it, you know, that's deliberately cutting off a part of ourselves, a part of our potential uh, as individuals or organizations to do so much more. Well, speaking to that too, I mean, in these early stages of your life where you're you're figuring out your direction, was there someone who was pivotal in sort of bringing this out more in yourself? Like you had a sense of it. It's, it's really clear that you did, but was there a pivotal person or people that brought it out in you more? Probably too many to count. I mean, I could go back to that, the the friend that made me watch Star Trek and changed mm-hmm. everything. And certainly, you know, I don't know where my life would have been without him. And there's so many others that just kind of have those impacts at, at moments or inspire you. And I could talk about, you know, most of the engineers that inspired me were probably fictional uh, in all the sci-fi that I then got myself into. Uh, but in so many other aspects of life, uh, there are always those people you look up to and and think maybe someday, you know, that's something I could do. That's something I could be a part of. And that to me is is also something that's so important in the fact of representation mattering. You know, if you yes. can see it, mm-hmm. you can be it. And that's always something that is empowering. No matter who you are, if you see someone that might be somewhat like you yeah. doing something amazing, you're like, yeah, I could probably do that too. You took the words right out of my mouth because when you were talking about those fictional characters, so perhaps for a period of time, you didn't have someone in your real life to refer to, but you saw it on a screen or read about it in a book and it planted that seed of, of possibility for you. Oh, absolutely. And now I I absolutely have the privilege to see that possibility blossom in other people's eyes. Uh, When I give briefings and and talks about military inclusion and what we're doing to try and bring everyone in, particularly Mm -hmm. in the Space Force as we develop a 21st century military culture that Mm -hmm. uses terms like inclusion, authenticity, vulnerability, in our leadership documents. And then I get to talk about that and often get, you know, a teenager or someone coming up to me and saying, I never knew this was possible for me, uh, but you opened my eyes. And now those are some of the most touching moments I could Mm. ever possibly have. So hopefully I'm taking the inspiration that I've been given and having an opportunity to share it with the next generations. That is so powerful though, hearing the words, inclusion and vulnerability, because I would imagine, though I'm not in your your space, but years, decades ago, those words would almost be taboo. Oh, absolutely. To see them in core documents from a military service wow. is something that never would have happened 
in the very recent past. You know, traditionally, the military would think of vulnerability as, well, that's a weakness. Mm. When instead, what vulnerability really is, it's a way to show our humanity. It's a way to connect. It's a way to realize that there are people just like you around you, and they may actually care about you. So to me, it's awesome that we're embracing some of these things as a way to get the best out of one another and collectively do more than we ever thought we could. Well, speaking to that, in 2016, you came out as transgender on a historic day, on the day that the transgender ban in the U.S. military was dropped. Can you share with us what that experience was like for you? Because I'm sure I'm sure it was a journey. I'm sure there was lots of emotions in that whole process. Oh, absolutely. That was a day that will be forever seared in my mind in so many ways, because I knew an announcement was coming. So I had a little bit of time kind of to get ready for that. Mm -hmm. And it was about a week before uh, that I started telling close friends and family so they wouldn't be surprised at the same time as everyone else when I came out. Uh, but when that day finally hit, I was working in the Pentagon at the time. For a moment, I thought about going down and trying to be a fly in the wall on the briefing room where the Secretary of Defense was making the announcement. But instead, I stayed at my desk. I watched it on TV. And when he finished speaking and trans service was open to people, I had a letter ready to go via email to my colleagues mm -hmm. and a post to Facebook coming out to the world. Wow. But even then, I hesitated. Yeah. I was nervous, you know, mm -hmm. what's the reaction going to be? Mm -hmm. But eventually got the courage, hit post, hit send, and then I ran away. I went down to the gym buried underneath the Pentagon, and I like to say that I went nowhere faster than I'd ever gone anywhere before with all the <laughs> nervous energy I had hopping on an elliptical machine because <laughs> I didn't know what people were going to say. Right. But it turned out when I got back to my desk, I sat down. One by one, my colleagues in the office walked over to me, shook my hand and said, it's an honor to serve with you. And that was truly an incredible moment because it was my honor to serve with them. And it speaks a lot, I think, to my privilege in that position as having been a relatively senior officer, a long track record of performance, being white, and also being perceived as male at the time. Those things matter. Uh, but by and large, even with that, that experience was replicated by most transgender service members. They were valued for who they were and valued for being members of the team. Mm. Uh, and even with that as well, though I got tons of love on Facebook from friends and family, my wife lost friends. Some of her best friends up until that point stopped speaking with her and still haven't. Her oh. parents didn't speak with us for a year. Uh, it came with a lot of pain as well as a lot of joy. That is uh, two things can be true, right? And you spoke to how vulnerability is strength. That That is it to its core right there, where you were vulnerable. You put yourself out there in a time where people were perhaps much less aware. There was a, a less of a collective consciousness around gender identity. And you put yourself out there. Yes, there was pain that came with it, but it also opened up, I think, not for yourself, but also for people identifying in the same way. It was really important to be out. One of the yeah. primary reasons that I did come out as soon as 
it wouldn't immediately end my career was to help others because I, not only was I going to reach for my best self, but it put me in position to be a much better advocate for mm. my friends, my community. Uh, and when we do that, we're actually working to make the entire military better. When we enable everyone to be their best selves, not only are they enhanced, but they enhance the mission of the unit around them because they have more mental energy to dedicate to the mission rather yes. than hiding who they are. Oh my goodness. That is, that is a moment right there that needs to be printed and framed somewhere. That is so, that is so, so powerful. Do you recall some of the feedback that you got from people within the transgender community who felt empowered and emboldened by you, you speaking your truth, really? I think from that first moment, I didn't have the opportunity so much as to empower others. It took me a little while to be in a position where my visibility mattered to other trans people mm. at that point, though I had some in my circles of friends yeah. who then knew most of them weren't in the military or wasn't connected in that way. But that enabled me to grow with the community uh, and help one another move through the changing policy and help people navigate. So we really built a lot of momentum starting from that time where up until that point, the few people I was able to connect with through Sparta were just a handful because we had to rely on word of mouth to mm -hmm. come together. Because mm -hmm. again, we were under such risk if anything had come out that we might lose our career. But at that point, we could be open we could project the message and then we could start gathering more and more people and continue to build that momentum. And I'm curious, were you a part of any of the policy that then was forming around this? Were you at all instrumental or, or had some feedback in that sense? So Sparta as an organization was critically important in mm -hmm. the formation of that policy. I helped do some of the behind the scenes work, but there are so many others who played a, an enormous role in that. You know, some amazing allies, really, who helped lift us and get us into meetings in advance of that policy changing. Uh, and though I wasn't one of them at the time, there were a few other very brave trans service members who were taken to meet senior leaders within the Pentagon as their authentic selves and to try and prove that, look, they are no different than any other service member. They don't have a second head growing out of their shoulder. They're not the boogeyman. And it worked. It really did some amazing things. So some people took enormous risks to themselves uh, to go do those incredible things. And then again, we couldn't have done it without our allies, people that embodied that military ethos of leave no one behind. So members of the LGB community who were celebrating and had just a few years earlier had the repeal of don't ask don't tell which allowed them to serve openly yeah you of those amazing folks said come on you're going on the ride too and helped get us into those meetings and make change happen do you feel that what changes do you think you've observed from your opinion when it comes to acceptance and inclusion of the lgbtq plus community in your opinion we are making enormous strides in this and the ability to be open, be visible, to make change, whether 
en masse by sharing our stories or on an individual level just by people meeting us has really driven a sea change in the military. And in fact, in an almost ironic way, I say thank you, President Trump. And wow. Okay. Stay with me for a moment here. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because though we had that euphoric moment in 2016 where everyone came out or not everyone, a lot of people were able to come out and start serving openly. Mm. It was less than a year later that President Trump tweeted that we were a burden and a disruption yeah. to the service that cannot be allowed. Mm -hmm. But when those tweets came out, it was about 50% of the American public and 50% of the military that thought trans people should be allowed to serve openly. Mm -hmm. Following those tweets, the media spotlight was so bright in a way that it had never been before. We got to share our stories. We got to show our competence mm. and our ability to serve here at home and around the world. You had a transgender drill sergeant in People magazine. You had a transgender military couple go on The Ellen Show and mm. countless other local, national, international stories to the point that two months after the tweet, it was 70% of the public and 70% of the military that thought we should be able to serve. Two years later, those numbers in some cases were in the 80% range. So every day we have to serve openly, every day we have to share stories and break stereotypes, we are moving the needle because people see we serve for the right reasons and we serve honorably and we accomplish the mission. This is such an important message for people to hear because, you know, there might be someone listening to this perhaps who might have gone through something similar to you and they're thinking, oh, why I'm scared of putting myself out there in such a vulnerable way to share my story. But you're saying these stories, the more and more they get told, the more and more that needle gets moved. The number jumped from 50 to 80 percent just based off what you were saying alone. Absolutely. And that's why we try and take every avenue we possibly can to share stories. That's why my co-editor and I wrote the first book and put out 26 different stories of service members to show not only is there no one way to be trans, there's certainly no one way to be trans in the military. And you can do so in any career field, at any rank, at any location. And it's just amazing the response those stories get. And when we get these opportunities, either via wide communication or again, individual one-to-one -one communication to change hearts and minds. In fact, I had a boss that I worked for um, he retired about six months after I started working for him and he called me into his office before leaving and he said that I broke his stereotype and I had done so simply by showing up to work and doing my job every day. And I thought, you know, that's a really low bar. That's kind of a backhanded compliment <laughs> Yeah, because uh, that was not hard to do, uh -huh. but that's just like the tip of the iceberg in the stereotypes that are out there for who transgender people or transgender service members are. So when we can break those just by doing our jobs, yeah, it's important to share our stories. And again, to be competent at what we do. Mm -hmm. You've come a long way. The community has come a long way based off those stories and those stats alone. But what progress do you hope to see unfold? Well, what I really hope to see is that we reach a point where thinking of the military, or really society at large, given the challenges that we're seeing, can't imagine 
a military without trans people in it, just as it should be unconscionable to think of a military without African-Americans in it mm. or without women in it. Mm -hmm. And the fascinating thing is that, you know, we trans folks serve at the whim of the executive. So a future president with an executive order could throw us all out in a day. But you can go back to every minority group incorporated into the military, including women, including mm -hmm. African-Americans in the 40s by President Truman. They're all executive orders. So what would be amazing would be to see a law passed that says everyone has the opportunity to serve if you can meet the standards. So that's where we really need to drive change. That's what I'm hopeful for. And every day we have to serve openly and honorably is mm -hmm. a gift because I think it gets us closer to that point. And, you know, for someone hearing this who might be a student in, you know, a career in engineering or is even just thinking of the idea. It's been sparked. The, the seed has been planted, but they may feel a bit of hesitancy because of the concerns around acceptance and inclusion. What, what advice would you pass on to that person? Primarily, I'd say follow your passion. What do you really want to do? What motivates you to get up every day and do something amazing. And if that's the military, if the community that we have is something that excites you, the mission that we have is something that drives you, we want you. And I know that may be risky and it may be scary, but it's also incredibly meaningful. Mm -hmm. uh, to have the opportunity to defend the constitution, to really help us strive for the ideals that are embodied in it to work towards that more perfect union. I think that's really incredible as an opportunity that we all have. And in a way to try and leave the world a better place than we found it. Uh, I know that's that may be a challenging thing in some people's conception of the military, mm -hmm. but that's really what we all believe that we're here for is to try and do good, to try and create the conditions where future generations don't have to face some of the challenges that we've faced and have the same opportunities that we've been given. You know, in some ways, just with a lot of the news and headlines that have been coming out over the last few months in particular, it does sometimes feel like we've taken steps back when it comes to the acceptance and the inclusion. Is there anything in particular that you want our listeners to know during Pride Month? I would want them to know that LGBTQ folks are scared. They really are. Despite that, there are so many amazing things going on, but it is very worth reaching out to your LGBTQ friends or colleagues, letting them know that you've got them. You are there for them because right now, particularly if they're in certain states uh, that are passing anti-LGBTQ laws or trying to drive trans people out of public existence or deny access to healthcare, that's frightening. Uh, and to know that they have allies, they have people who will speak for them. Mm -hmm. And that is incredibly important to move not just from being that, hey, I got you to, hey, I'm going to go do something about this. I'm going to call my legislator. I'm going to donate to causes that support the rights of everybody. 
You know, there are very concrete actions that people can take to turn those supportive words into truly supportive actions that help us get past this moment that we see as a massive backlash. The fact that we're still scary to a lot of people and you worry that, hey, in five years from now, we might be in a worse place. But if we do the work, we can pretty much guarantee that 10, 20, 30 years from now, we're probably going to be in a better place. And we're going to hopefully see what's going on now as the last gasp major attacks against the LGBTQ community. Oh, gosh, I hope that is so. And I and I believe it with conviction because of what you've shared with us today. It's um, it's so hopeful to hear your stories. That's what we want to offer. We want to yeah. offer hope, particularly to the generation that is growing up, going to school right now, because to them, LGBTQ people are simply a fact of life. They are their yeah. friends. They are their neighbors. People yep. are out with 20% of Gen Z identifying as LGBTQ. Their perceptions are already set that this is okay. Mm -hmm. If it wasn't, we wouldn't have 20% of people out yeah. because though we may have always had 20% LGBTQ people, no one was willing to say that until now. So despite everything that's going on, despite all the fear and the laws that are out there, we've arrived and we're mm. going to carry that torch forward. And I'm so excited to see what our teens, our 20-somethings are going to do with it in the future. Well, I think you have inspired a lot of people with this. For someone who may be interested, I believe there's an affinity group that we can learn more about. And you have some of the information on that. For people in the military, absolutely encourage if, if you're a trans person to join Sparta, find them on, on the web or on Facebook. If you're in the Department of the Air Force and are LGBTQ, we absolutely would love to see you in the LGBTQ initiatives team, which is a group that identifies barriers and proposes policy solutions to senior leaders so that we can improve lives for LGBTQ people. But Outside of that, there are so many wonderful national and local st or state level LGBTQ rights organizations, you know, at the national level, the Human Rights Campaign or the National Center for Transgender Equality. Or if you're in states where policies are problematic, there are organizations like Equality Florida that are working hard to push back on these things, as well as a number of legal organizations that provide reduced cost services or free services to the LGBTQ community. So find them. There mm -hmm. are organizations around you that do incredible things and please help where you can. Mm -hmm. And you don't have to do this alone. I think that's a big thing here that there are people out there. Uh, for any listeners who are interested, you can visit affinitygroups.swe.org to learn about SWE's LGBTQ plus and allies affinity group. Uh, it, the group creates community for members of SWE and advocates for the LGBTQ plus affirmation and inclusion. And SWE members can also receive a discount on membership with our joint member partner organization. All the information will be included with this episode if you want to learn more about that. But Bree, this has been such a powerful conversation, an important one, and the necessary reminder that representation matters and is more important now than ever. Absolutely. And Sam, thank you. 
And thanks to Sui for having me on. It was really a pleasure to join you. Thank you again, Brie, for joining us. And from all of us at Sui, happy Pride. And for any listeners who are interested, you can visit affinitygroups.sui.org to learn about Sui's LGBTQ plus and allies affinity group, where this group creates community for those in the community, uh, members of SWE, advocates for LGBTQ plus affirmation and inclusion, both in, in SWE's work and in engineering more broadly. Plus, SWE members can also receive a discount on membership with our joint member partner organization, Out to Innovate. Out to Innovate uh, empowers LGBTQ plus individuals and allies in STEM. So if you're interested in that, you can email membership at SWE dot org to get the promotional code on your membership and thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed this episode of diverse please don't forget to subscribe leave a review and share this episode with your social network you can visit swe.org to learn more about how the society of women engineers empowers women to achieve their full potential as engineers and leaders